Welcome to episode 41 of a middling running podcast type thing. Whatever this is, you know, I can't say longest running episodic, that doesn't work. Uh, middle running episodic, there is an episodic element to it. That's about as far as we can all agree. And then beyond that, it's really up to your interpretation is what it comes down to. On this episode, we're going to talk about how to define a loss inside of a you know card collecting kind of situation. We're going to talk about that. And we're going to find out that as it turns out, there is a direct connection between Eric and the AFL Grand Final. What is that connection? We're going to find out tonight on this episode of the BIC and probably later on to be renamed podcast. So for the people who got the video side of it, you're welcome for uh, for the eye- staring eyes of Brett Favre. And also, thank you to Eric for learning those guitar riffs on such short notice. That was some fine work by you. That's probably your best work so far. You know, Three days notice. Never picked up a guitar in my life. Three days notice. I thought I did pretty well. Those eyes, the, those eyes are like, for the viewer, that sets the tone of the 5% more seriousness, more intelligent, that comes about of these Monday nights, it like locks you in. The viewers are going to love it. They're going to look at them and just going to be zoned in and locked in. I, great job putting it together and playing playing the tunes, Eric. That that was awesome, man. Just saying. That death stare couldn't be. That death stare was definitely five percent more serious. I felt it. Absolutely. I felt it. It was definitely there. Now I did want to touch on uh, Will as, as we. You know, as an example of the five percent rule and how much you know more mature we are mm. and less angry i am i just wanted to say that here <clears throat> when we because we're filming this on you know monday night for a tuesday release um here i only dislike name mm. i don't hate him on on mondays so less hatred five percent less hatred five percent less hatred um Excellent. I just, I just strongly dislike him. Valid. I think that's yeah. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Now, before we get into what's in our mind, after our appreciation of the staring eyes of Favre and also mm-hmm. uh, Eric's guitar riffs, beautifully done, uh, one thing I'll uh, cover is I'll touch on one of the comments left on our last episode. Thank you all for the comments. All comments and questions are welcome, certainly. And if there's a really good one, maybe I'll mention it in the next episode. So just <clears throat> word to the wise. I do want to give... Um, the real Palmer. Uh, unfortunately, I don't, by the way, I don't like the way that when you're actually looking at it inside of the YouTube, it shows you the nickname or the name in one side, and then it shows you the at thing. So mm-hmm. like, I have to kind of like connect the two. So I apologize, but I've got your comment here in front of it. Uh, the comment was left is as reporting on drama between wrestling card collectors could be a weekly segment, in my opinion. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> that'd be that'd be funny in its own way. And it's like, I just when I read that comment, I'm like, hmm. It's not half a bad idea. I go, maybe. I'll think about it. We're not going to do it this week, but <laughs> it wasn't a bad idea. And you're certainly not wrong. I want to make clear you're not wrong. And thank you for this week's comment. And again, comments or questions are welcome. And if there's a good one, we'll we'll touch on it in the next episode. Now, there's a couple of things that are on my mind. Um, I don't want to hog the whole thing, but there's a couple that are kind of interconnected. But as we go, uh, I'll let you guys uh, have a turn. But first, I want to start off with, welco- uh, with congratulating the Collingwood Magpies for being the premiership champions of Aussie Rules Football, the footy. And there is, as I promised, an Eric connection to this. So not only the excitement of Collingwood. By the way, it was actually a really good game. I did enjoy watching it. I watched it after the Friday night live stream. It was at midnight Eastern. So it was on Saturday morning here in these parts. And I watched the grand final. It was excellent. 
very good game nail biter right down to the end and it was a one goal game basically squeaked it out collingwood congratulations for those folks but there is an eric sanderson to or connection to the afl grand final believe it or not because do you know what the pre-game entertainment was in the afl grand final in front of 100,025 strong do you know who it was I, eric <clears throat> i do know do you know i i believe i do <clears throat> they're rocking and rolling all night eric and every day i think i think they were then partying every day hmm kiss the band kiss was there in australia playing the pregame show of the afl grand final just saying there is an eric connection was, there as a member of kiss army eric was probably there headbanging the whole way i was way off i i was going to say psycho cross <clears throat> that would have been good that would have been good that would have been good bottles, but no 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 like there was an actual connection there was a musical connection like specifically Eric is a proud member of the Kiss Army. I knew as soon as I saw it, I was like, what the heck? And for the people seeing the video, you're getting video uh, video evidence of what I'm talking about here. Eric is very much in the Kiss Army thing. And as soon as I heard that they were doing it, I was like, hmm, how interesting, how interesting. And now I, I do think Eric, it was a bit much when Gene Simmons and some of the band members started modifying some of their lyrics. You know, I understand that Australia was a prison colony at one point, but I think calling it you know, I want to steal your shit all night and every day. I think that's probably a little inappropriate. I think that, that might have been a little, uh, you know, pandering a little bit too much to the history there. They are extremely popular in Australia. So I could see why they would want to, you know, uh, mm. make fans happy there. Yes. But now you got, now you all know the Eric connection to the, uh, to the AFL grand finals. Like, there you go. It's like, and again, congratulations to Collingwood on your premiership victory. And I did so enjoy I'm the game. Anyway. to, to, to what this actually is but it is it rugby it like, is a so it's aussie rules football which is uh an offshoot i would say it's an offshoot of rugby because they do have a professional rugby league there as well i would say aussie rules is a lot more high octane uh it's a lot higher scoring and also there's a lot of action but a lot of physicality so it, you take elements of it but it doesn't bog down necessarily the same way that rugby does and you get tired just watching it because they do a lot of running and they crash into each other. A guy was okay. out in the concussion in like the first five minutes. I, I was confused because you said Aussie rules football. And I know football called, yeah. is a, an alternative term for soccer. But yeah. then you said goals. And I was like, well, I don't think that's the Australian soccer league. So mm -hmm. no, I, I was confused it, for a moment. Yeah, so it, it's, a, it's an offshoot of rugby. A lot more high octane in terms of it. The field is really ridiculous in terms of the size of the field, the, the way they, they structure it. Uh, it is very physical because you because you can crash into each other. There's no pads. There's no helmets. Uh, that's why I said like one of the players got basically concussed within the first couple of minutes. It was out for the rest of the game. Like they're crashing into each other. There there's definitely a lot of physicality to it. So if you like that, the game's good. It is offensive. There is a lot of high scoring. It's very athletic because these guys are running miles and miles and miles and crashing into each other which is, it's madness. And it's an ongoing, the clock is going. As again, it, it is a very fun game to watch if you do enjoy it. Um, and again, it is high scoring. So you're getting a, plenty of action. And again, they filled they filled the stadium capacity, 100,000 uh, strong watching that game with the whole pomp and circumstance. They put on a big show. They put on a good show and it was a, it was a lot of fun for me. Turned out to be a great game as well. So pretty good. So they had as many fans at one game as like the Cleveland Browns get in a full season? Basically, yes. Yes, That's pretty impressive. Exactly, yes. I don't, That's I don't think Cleveland gets that many in a full season. But that yeah, was my think. point. You know. Yeah, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> like, I'm not going to lie. It was a, a, 
like as, as a casual observer who enjoys it, I just think the fact that it also happened to be a one goal game was excellent. It was like, it was a nail biter, multiple lead changes all the way through, it was back and forth, both teams were competing. And yeah, it came right down to the wire. Basically, it, it could have changed, uh, changed one more time at any time there towards the tail end. So congratulations to the Hollywood and their fans. Uh, and then uh, good on them for until next season. So I want to touch on that. Uh, so now bringing it back over into the American football side of things, we'll touch on that for a moment. Uh, I'm not to. <laughs> Fair enough. But uh, look, I'll touch on it this way. I have a stat for you guys that is a lot of fun. Uh, as far as the Packers and their suck, um, they have less than 300 yards rushing on the season. They allowed 211 yards in this past game against the Lions. They have less than 300 yards on the ground in four games. They allowed 211. That is all I need to say about that. That's, that's about it. That's just thought I would point that out. <laughs> as soon as I looked at the stat, I was like, ooh, that, that, that seems bad. That seems, that seems suboptimal. Uh, so basically, they have no running game to speak of, so the other teams know exactly what they're going to do, and they can't stop a run to save their lives. But other than that, it's all good. Go ahead and speak on your team, Eric. Uh, <laughs> being that my next birthday, I will be 50. Um, I remember very well the years that most people want to forget here in New England where we were the perennial 1-15 in 15 team over and over and over again. Our starting quarterbacks were Hugh Millen, and uh, I, I, I can't even remember some of the other losers that we had. <clears throat> so um, I am seeing this year's Patriots team being another one of those um, – you know, one in 15 type of type of seasons where, you know, when, when they finally win one and like, you know, cause they had, they've won, they have one win, but back, I remember very clearly the Patriots had one, one of the seasons, uh, Dick McPherson was the coach. And when the Patriots finally won, it was as if they won the Super Bowl. that, the, the, the just the team went bananas the coaches went bananas and it's like guys you're one in 15. so i think the patriots are heading back to to that that type of uh that type of level unfortunately you know you can't you can't be a dynasty forever dynasties come and go and um i think we're going to be back to the one in 15 years um in the next over the next few. Now that's funny because I don't remember the dynasty thing at all. All I remember was losing them losing an appliance. I, I <clears> that, those were fond memories. I enjoyed that, and I remember and I enjoyed nostalgically thinking about that last week. I think it was bubbles. Yeah. I, think, I think last week we were thinking about that. It was it was fond memories. Good times. Mm -hmm. Good times. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, bubbles. Do you want to say anything about your team before we move on? Uh, my team mm. won. Uh, we we beat our old city, Cleveland, um, where. The Ravens moved from my fantasy team sucked. Well, actually, mm. let me take that back. My fantasy team did okay, but the guy I went against decided to have a Houston receiver that put up 50 points and Dallas's defense that went absolutely stupid. And yeah, so it was one of those where you run into a guy whose team's not that good, but his players do the absolute best they possibly could do. Mm. It was one of those weeks. Um, 
But yeah, uh, the NFL has been interesting this year. We have, uh, you know, Taylor Swift is the most popular story. Um, and, and I think rightfully so. <laughs> Frankly, I, I think I think we haven't had enough Taylor Swift coverage. I, for one, think we should at least double. There should be a camera on Taylor Swift the whole time. And I think you should shrink the game down to like about this size, just in the corner, and make sure we're paying closely attention to Taylor Swift because during every single one of these primetime games. And, and you know... The Chiefs could really, like, they could be smart and just have her do the halftime show every week. Fantastic. I think it's a great like, idea. Just, if she's going to be there, put her to use, right? You know? I, it seems, look, I just assume that's the reason how Kiss got that gig. They just yeah. happened to be around. They're like, could you guys, do you mind? Do you have something? Could you play a thing? It, it was like when Eric, you know, did the intro for us. I think, you know, hey, could you, like, put something together? Hold on, let me see what I can do. And it worked out. But, uh, it was great. Outside of football, bad mouth kiss, Carlos. Come on, don't cross the line. <laughs> Outside of football, um, I I lost another eBay auction. I'm, I was very sad. Um, I am not having a good. I am attempting to actually buy sports cards, people, and uh, and you're attempting to spend money, which is even more shocking. It, yeah, and and it's just not happening. There there was an auction last night on a card that I really want. Um, we discussed it, uh, I believe, Friday night. And uh, unfortunately, it ended like, I don't know, after midnight because it was the seller was overseas. I threw a bid on before I went to bed. I woke up. Uh, sorry, you missed this. I lost by a dollar. Um, but anyway, I guess on to the next one. So fair, fair. It's actually uh, it's funny because uh, I'll, I think we'll t I'll talk about a one or two auction related things. By the way, a quick uh, side tangent since uh, since you brought up something that struck me, uh, the thing about you trying to spend money made me think about all th this week because right now we're still in the midst we're in the midst of an October heat wave and today I experienced something that I've never experienced before to my recollection, and uh, I'll quickly caveat this by saying I'm not one of those Canadians who wears t-shirt and shorts when the snow is up to my knees because we've got those sickos there they're like oh it's 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 still warm. Yeah, exactly. You're a freak. But the point is, I'm not one of those people. I'm one of those people where as soon as the temperature drops below about 72, you know, Fahrenheit, your degrees, I'll switch to long sleeves. Today, I was in t-shirt and shorts. I was like, I, yeah, never mind. Can't, can't even like, it's October the 2nd. What the hell is this nonsense? It was fine. It was good. For, it was good for a walk, but let me, ooh, it's warm today. Jeez. Now, um, speaking of it, we are entering the spooky season. We've entered into October. It is now the spooky season approaches. And uh, speaking of which, I'll, this is a quick side, quick story. Uh, and Eric was privy to this one. Uh, I did laugh. Uh, you know, our AI Spotify overlords—they know a thing or two because I, I shot him a text. I shot him a, a screenshot because in the course of playing one of the Spotify playlists, I was greeted by the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> I just enjoyed that. I got such a kick out of it. Um, I completely forgot because they've got a bunch of those playlists they make up. They are, they're all auto-generate one. Uh, I like a lot of the rock playlists, but I, I went. They've got ones for different years. So I went and got the rock playlist for 2003. I did not happen to remember that the darkness, and I believe a thing, I believe in a thing called love, was in the 2003 playlist. And it was as soon as it started playing, I was like, click. I shot, <laughs> I shot over to Eric. It's like the AI overlords know. It's like they needed to know that they believe in a thing called love. And I appreciated the AI overlords. I appreciated it. You're suck up. They're still gonna kill you anyways. It doesn't matter. No, they they like they like my style. They like the cut of my jib, Eric. And I laugh though because Eric's response was, you know, if they, you know, if they try to turn on him, he's going to be like John Connor. It's like, should I tell him that in the last two Terminators, depending on which timeline you go with, John Connor dies in both? <laughs> just, just let you know that John Connor, John Connor either gets turned into a robot and gets killed, 
or he just dies. Your choice. Either way, either way, he dies. And those are two disparate timelines they went with. Terminator Genesis, which is kind of crap, or the new one, which was also kind of meh. But either way, he so, dies. Just to be clear, John Connor, spoiler, dies. Isn't Eric already part robot? Exactly. Like, That's what with I'm saying. the like, hip you, thing and everything? You should be more sympathetic. Like, you should be like, I am already amongst you. And besides, how bad can the AI overlords be if they appreciate a little of the darkness? That's a good point. You know, at least, at least they have taste. I was going to say, at least some good musical taste there. That's all I'm saying. I wanted to make sure I covered that. So, see, I had a couple of different points where it was on my mind. It's like, no, I got some stuff and it pertains. All right, real quick then before we move on, uh, is there anything else? So, we, we covered a little bit of the football content. Yes, Eric, go ahead. I would like to start a new segment uh, called <laughs> Don't Be That Guy. Wow. Uh, it may not be every week, uh, but I think I would like to start a segment called Don't Be That Guy. And today, in the in the um, first edition of Don't Be That Guy, I would like to say, don't be that guy who calls a sports memorabilia shop in Boston and says, I have a game-worn jersey from the 1970 boston bruins that is autographed by the entire team mm. and then come in to the shop with a dick's sporting goods jersey autographed by many of the 2011 stanley cup team don't be that guy and when you question that guy over the difference between what he said and what this is, don't say that 1970 was their first Stanley Cup. Just don't be that guy. Was this guy like a Panini representative? Because this feels like, like what we're talking about Eric, are you trying to? Is this like your residual way of like casting aspersions and anger at Penny? Because it, was this hockey saying, born collectibles? I was gonna say, like, I, I got a question, sir. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's also oddly specific. The best part about it, Bobbles, is just how oddly specific it's like. If you had called and said it was a 71 Bruins, it would have been fine, but just don't say 1970 Bruins because you know that is a bridge too far. How dare you? Don't be I actually guy. had a, a little interaction with a jersey. Today, myself, um, as you guys know, I do the reselling stuff, and I browse some online state auctions at times because sometimes you can pick up some really cool stuff at a good bargain. And uh, they have a Michael Jordan framed and autographed jersey up right now. I was looking at that thing real good, and it comes with a certificate of authenticity and... Um, yeah, a company I've never heard of. The autograph is 1,000% fake. And so I, you know, it doesn't really have anything to do with me, but I felt that I would be kind enough to contact the place to say, hey, I don't know if you're liable if you sell this and somebody comes back, but uh, just throwing a heads up out there. That jersey is fake as hell. <laughs> and the guy's like, well, yeah, these, you know, I don't know. It has a certificate, blah, blah. And then he goes on to say, well, you know, 
these people are rich and they did keep a lot of the memorabilia, but this was a piece they were willing to let go. So maybe there is something to the story. Yeah, think mm. the Jordan piece is the piece they're willing to let go of. So I think the key here is that uh, in a lot of instances, as pertains to sports cards, sports memorabilia, whatever else, a lot of it really comes down to buy the dealer, buy the dealer, or buy the individual that are going. It's about about finding somebody that's reliable, somebody reliable like AMG Collectibles. Ooh, segue. Look at that. Segway. See what we did there? <laughs> Beautiful. It's like AMG Collectibles, who has uh, proudly sponsored uh, this podcast and the Friday live streams on the YouTube channel of the same name. So we appreciate them, of course. And uh, upcoming on the amgcollectibles.com will be a lot of their forthcoming things, including breaks, which are coming soon. And then on the AMG Collectibles YouTube channel, there will be some videos coming up soon talking about upcoming products. I got the list of the new products coming up here, and there will definitely be something going on with that. And there will be a video talking about that a little bit this week. So you can look forward to that. But regardless, this hub is amgcollectibles.com. Thank you to Andrew Collectibles for supporting this podcast and this channel. Look Eric still has to pay for the like button. Of course, 100%. As far as the YouTube is concerned, the like button is non-negotiable. That's happening. We gave I gave Eric like a 5% discount for the guitar solo. The guitar solo was solid, so I gave him like a 5% off. But otherwise, yeah, the, the bill's still coming in for the like button either way. So we appreciate you as far as that's concerned. So that covers it. Uh, Bubbles, was there anything on your mind that you want to talk to before we got into the main topic? I think I covered everything that I had for the most part this week. I, the weekend and, well, the weekend general and the weekend kind of flew by. It was very busy. eBay was very busy, which I'm not complaining. Um, nice. But the time flew by really quick, so. Sure. Now, Bob, uh, Bubbles, you did mention that you were trying to buy some items and spend some money. Uh, did you successfully find anything, or was it just a case of you're just missing out right now? I put bids I put, I've tried bidding on a couple cards, but one, I got sniped the other, uh, it was the Robertson hot shots I told y'all about and, right. um, the McDavid's doing a hundred bucks and I'm not like, I, I like the card, but people are thinking it's worth way more than it should be. I put like a, I don't know, 54, $55 bid on it and I lost out on it. So. I'll get one whenever people come to reality. When there's a new shiny toy out there that, that people want, I'll finally nice. get one. That's fair. Look, it's it's a constant process. Like let's let's get let's get down to brass tacks. It comes down to it's a constant process and you just kind of chug along. I got a little bit lucky this past week because on Comsi there were a couple of good items that came up. It's one of those things you would check from time to time, but most of the time you'll see nothing, nothing. It's more of the same, more of the same, more of the same. For me, a lot of that late 90s, some of those little parallels, especially Pacific. Pacific is particularly notorious for this because they'll have like premiere dates and stuff like that that are like weird, funky numbers based on the production runs and everything. So uh, 99, 2000 Pacific Donagon Ice, the premiere date and the gold, both of which I was missing for that little rainbow there. Both of them came up on uh, Comsi. So I was able to strike deals for both of those, which was boom. And they managed to sell some stuff that had been sitting on Compsy a little while. Some folks decided to make some purchases. So I was like, all right, your purchases covered my my purchases and everybody wins. So it was a good, uh, again, not big ticket items, but it's one of those things where if you're a player collector, you just love chipping away at some of those that kind of been sitting on the checklist for a long time, especially as you start whittling it down. The late 90s stuff, I don't have a lot of stuff that I need at this point. Speaking of Compsy, funny enough, while I was waiting for you guys to pop on, I logged in for the first time since I got the big Comsi buy I did, I don't know, what was that, several months ago maybe? I, I don't even remember when it was. 
And I noticed that there is a lot of Jason Robertson that are about 35 cents or below. Mm-hmm. Is there, you, I think, shared, I don't, I don't know if it was just strictly for Medano, but is there a website that is showing like a player checklist outside of like, obviously, um, Eric's favorite Beckett? stuff like that? Eric's favorite Beckett. Was that? I'm about sorry. Eric's favorite Beckett. Oh, they, okay. So they have a player checklist on there? hundred percent. I I don't go on their site ever. Yeah. So I, I'll walk, I'll walk you through how to do one, but it's not the best. Obviously it's the platform leaves a lot to be desired. Eric needs to brush up on his HTML skills. It's you know, we, we, it could be better, but no, you can totally build a checklist out of that. Uh, if you want to, that's one way you could do it. Um, trading, trading card, card database, trading card database has got some stuff. That's okay. I think that's decent. That's what I use that's, that's what all. Everything that's in this binder is all from Trading Card Database. Okay, yeah. So those but are two. Those are two good sources. Is, that I think are pretty is Ray Bork. You know, there's going to be so many Jason Robertson cards because he wasn't even in a lot of the 2021 sets, mm-hmm. and Upper Deck is obviously way behind on their production, and there's just so many different cards of him out there. So I would like to kind of see like how many he has right now and yeah i'll play around with some of those i'll show you how to i'll show you how to go in and uh and you can do it without an account but if you got an account you got a little bit more flexibility to it but that is one way that is one that i use for for the medana checklist myself but again it's not perfect i've got cards that 100 are not in that checklist that i own i know they're real because i have them and they were produced by upper deck or by manufacturers so i know they're real as well so it's one of those things where it's like yeah uh, there's some stuff that's missing there but I would say the majority of it is accurate. Um, the, the checklist is pretty accurate, but they've definitely made mistakes. There's 100% cards that are real that they don't have, and there's cards that 100% never existed that are on that checklist. It's like, yeah, that did not happen. I'm sorry. But as a player collector, I know that. I know. I, Eric needs to get uh, get back on it. You know, I, I got questions. But no, that's fair. But yeah, I, absolutely. I'll be happy to show you how to set that up. Uh, so those are some options and maybe a good topic for a future for future discussion you know some resources you know that people can use for some of this stuff because it's not obvious sometimes you're looking for certain things you just don't know where to look depending on what you're trying to accomplish uh there's definitely a lot of resources that maybe would be bit well served to use a little bit more so uh one last thing i'll mention uh and this is mostly for the canadian folk obviously i talk about the wrestling cards and a lot of that stuff that i do and a lot of times i like to go to the uh, to walmart and some of the retailers here and try to i, I wanted to buy some of the blasters and it still haven't appeared. And then I went on a Facebook page and saw that somebody in Toronto had bought it at a Walmart. And I was like, why is it still not on the website? Well, it's because Walmart are idiots and they don't list the damn thing. I went to my Walmart and I walked right in and there it was right on the damn shelf. And I was like, really? You couldn't put it on the website? So I could just, I could have just bought the damn thing. Fine. I walked in and I bought a couple blasters. So, so these will be coming up on the channel. I'll, I'll open them up. So. You, you, you do know the kind of person that goes into a Walmart to actually physically buy something or you know what what they're referred to as right well those would be peasants oh and i'm I aware I'm not sure. that's why i was trying to get it on the website i Unlike, unfortunately you have to go in with the peasants in order to physically get the box i know how you you know how strongly disapprove being around the peasants and i do and, i like eric the, i felt terrible yeah i had to cleanse myself with an acid bath okay. but to say how many showers did you take when you got home acid bath eric straight to yeah. acid bath Yes, I understand. For, fortunately, my skin is not real. I've already taken over from my AI overlords. The nanobots have already taken. So no. the acid bath just allowed me to cleanse myself. The fact that you lowered yourself to physically enter the public domain to purchase something is just amazing to me. 
Did you do self checkout or did you go through the actual? Oh, self checkout, self self checkout bubbles. Absolutely not. I was like, I, I, I like there, there was already enough peasantness just being in the room. That, that was that was enough. <laughs> I need I need self checkout to get the hell out of there and do, take care of my business. It, it was is but but that's a drop that's a drop that's a fumble right there from Walmart. It's like guys, just put it on the site, put it in the warehouse, and we'll just buy it and ship me the damn thing. And it's like, but it was right there, sitting right on the shelf. I was like, come on, really? <clears throat> Final. Get my damn. So that'll be uh, on the channel. How many enough. cards come in that box? Uh, the, I think it's 35. I think it's what? Yep. Seven, seven cards per pack, five packs per box. That's what the, the blasters are going for. Okay. The blasters are a little overpriced. To be fair, though, uh, value-wise, I think the value is a little bit better than the hobby box right now. Because I'm waiting for the hobby box to come down. I actually think you could buy four of those blasters for the price of one hobby box. You're getting more packs. So I actually think it's a little bit, slightly better value. Um, and most of the inserts, you can get a very similar ratio. So it's actually not a bad deal. I don't think you can get the PMGs in the blasters, though. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember if those ones are included or not. I'll double check. But I They do the... If it's like uh, hockey and stuff has been... They include the purple spectrum. Yes. Which is like the PMG and numbered. But you can't get the green or red PMGs. I have to double check, but they do include they include the Metal X. You can get the Jumbalai. You can get autographs, uh, so you can get the autographs and a bunch of the uh, parallels and insert parallels. So m a bunch of those are included, and some of the inserts are at the same ratio as hobby. So it's one of those things where you're actually not losing out too much. If I say like, yeah, you're missing out some stuff and stuff because it's retail, but you can get some of the other stuff at that. And I've seen people pull autographs and stuff out of it, so not a terrible deal. Uh, again, you know, dependent on down the road. Down the road, I'd like to open a hobby box, but that'll be for later. So. Just bear in mind that apparently, yeah, uh, the website still doesn't have them. I don't know when they're going to list them, but they're actually physically in the store. So if you're willing to wade through and have an acid bath handy, do what you must. Just letting y'all know. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's touch on then the main topic tonight. We, we talked about how we want to define a loss on a card purchase slash sale, because this is uh, playing into the idea that we've talked about in the past about a little bit of his philosophy, and really it comes down to the time. To me, the time of purchase is really important. And then obviously your time horizon is important because a lot of those elements, there's a lot of ways you can play that angle. Uh, so Bubbles, do you want to get us started in terms of how you want to kind of think through and define this idea? I think in my, like, and, and everybody's going to look at this differently, I think, or at least some, you know, shift in it. One thing that, or, or the way I would look at it if I, and I'll use a great example. Um, I bought my 86 Fleer Jordan and I paid $2,200 for it. My intent was to keep that card. When it went absolutely crazy, my intent was kind of then to the point, well, this copy isn't that great to begin with. And I don't need it that bad. I held on to it for a little bit and I could have sold it. I paid 2200 It peaked, I think, during the time I had it at like 8000 somewhere around 8000 I did not sell. And I know Eric kind of has the same thought because some people would say I, when I sold it, I sold it for 4800 now, some people would say, well, you lost over $3,000 because you 
owned it when it was worth eight thousand, and now it's only forty-eight hundred. I don't see it that way. I see it as I gained twenty-six hundred, and it's kind of the same way, you know, with with a lot of things. If you buy a bulk buy, you can look at it in multiple different ways. Let's say you paid five hundred dollars and you bought a box of cards. Well, if there's a thousand cards in the box, do you go through and then look at only cards that you sold and price them out amongst what you paid for the box? Or do you spread it across and do your buy cost across each card? There's different ways to do it. But for me, I look at what I paid for it, what I sold it for. If what I sold it for is more than what I paid for it, I did not lose on the card. I made money. I don't care what it once was or what it could become. It It is simple math. Did I make a profit? Sure. And I think, uh, so Eric, what I'll do is, I think we're all going to be in agreement on that general premise. I think we are. So I think what we can maybe do to expand the discussion a little bit and offer some perspective here is we'll kind of talk through and define a couple of thoughts. Uh, what Bobble's basically described there is the difference between cost basis. It's really cost basis is the thing. And that's a big one to the example he used. If you buy in a bulk lot, so I'll use a similar example, but something a little different. Um, say you open a box of cards. So I will give you, I'll give you a tangible example. Uh, back in 2018, I was opening a bunch of football wax uh, back when you could afford it. It was a little bit cheaper. It was certainly a lot cheaper back then. Uh, one of the boxes that I opened was a 2018 uh, Prism, 2018 football Prism which obviously had the Lamar Jackson, the Josh Allen, a lot of different ones, and the Josh Rosen, not quite so good. Uh, Baker <laughs> Mayfield, you know, maybe making a little recovery, a tiny recovery, Sam Darnold. The thing is you had all these different quarterbacks in that rookie class that potentially could have made you some money. And most importantly, at the time that I bought the box, it was about 260 Canadian. Uh, you know, knock off about 30% to make it US dollars. But the point is that at one point, that hobby box was going for comfortably over 2000 us so on the one hand like oh but you lost money on it so if we if we want to do on what potentially could have been the absolute maximum possible money you could have made on it i opened the box and the contents were certainly not worth two thousand dollars so if we're taking the maximum possible potential profit that you could have made in it and try to actually max it out then two thousand ish would have been the absolute top out but in reality i sold singles from this box and was in the black on that box years ago that was in that black on the box years ago. However, I still had cards from that. As a matter of fact, some of them sat in a box for years after the fact that I had already been in the black and I sent them over to ComC the last time I was at the expo. And the reason that I bring this up now is that one of them sold earlier today. So remember, at this point, my cost basis now on anything that's left in that box is now zero. I make one penny. It is above and beyond the, re the recovery cost of what I paid for the box versus what I sold the singles for. I kept some of the singles. I sold a bunch of the singles, but I still got some. I sold a Patrick Mahomes flight parallel, which is one of the non-numbered parallels, but nothing crazy. That sold on Com CD for $9.75. After the fees and everything, I made $9.26 on an item that I now have a $0 cost basis on. This is five years after I opened that box. I had long since gotten my money back on the box. At this point, that Patrick Mahomes could sit for the rest of time and rot. It makes no difference. However, I made $9.26 earlier today, this morning. And the person made me an offer and I was like, yeah, I'm happy to take that, no problem. Because for me, the cost basis is zero. Somebody else could be like, oh, you could probably get like 10, 12, 15 bucks for it. It's like, yeah, but my cost basis is zero. Like I'm literally losing nothing. So for me, like 
I'll take your $9 and there you go. It goes in my ComC account and I can use it to buy something else. Little things like that over time. And there's still more singles that are sitting in my ComC account that I can do that or sitting in the eBay store or whatever the case may be. If, if your cost basis is zero, then you can afford to not try to squeeze every single penny out of every single thing because you're taking advantage of it. It's using every part of the, every part of the turkey, you know, not losing anything. You've already had the main meal at this point. Like, you know, it's, it's been done, but there's still some elements left that are still in it that you can get some value out of, uh, but you're not expecting anything. You're not worried about it because it's like, you know, anything that comes after that, it's bonus now. It's, it's, it's just extra. So that cost basis piece is really, really important. It works in bulk lots. It works in, uh, in singles. It works in just about anything else, but it's not constantly comparing yourself to the maximum possible if you had timed everything perfectly. Um, Eric, any thoughts or anything you want to add on kind of that concept? Yeah, I, I, I think it's, it's important to keep in mind that a pro, what a profit is versus a, a loss. And you, you can't be focusing on the woulda, coulda, shouldas. Um, Carlos, in your point, you had, you know, it took a long time to, to make that nine nine dollars well that's that's a profit you plus you already made money in in the you know you made already paid for the box in the past by selling some things and after you know it's been a while that's still nine dollars from a past investment hmm. it, it if that card that you sold today was worth more you could have made fifty dollars but to sit and say what you know and repeat what i just said well you know i sold that card for nine dollars of player x but if that card was was player y i could have made fifty dollars therefore i lost fifty dollars I, I what what got me to start thinking about this idea of loss was all these different conversations i was having with with dealers and people at card shows and and uh talking to people on clubhouse and it, you know, in all these different, you know, areas that that, that I run into people uh, at work, and, and people are talking about their losses, their losses, their losses, and most of it is imaginary. Uh, this past, you know, this past boom because we've had two. This past boom, a lot of people made a lot of good decisions, and came out really, really well. And a lot of people made a lot of bad decisions and they're going to be paying for those. Some people are going to be paying for those the rest of their lives. You know, people maxed out credit cards, second mortgages on homes. I mean, crazy stories. That's real loss. But I keep hearing all these people talk about how, you know, I, I bought this card for ten dollars it went up to fifty dollars i didn't sell it when it was high and i only sold it for 30 therefore i lost 20 bucks well obviously they're they're using much bigger numbers but and it's like no it's like you know it's like wobble said no you made a profit if you get a penny more than what you paid then that is a profit and not a loss so one thing to, to add on to exactly what you're saying, and it kind of also ties in with what Carlos is saying. And the thing 
that people forget when you hear these stories. Let's say, let's say they sold a card and made $200 on it. If they had held it, they might have made $1,000. So they're, you know, you're hearing these conversations and I'm like, man, I lost out. You know, I could have sold this, blah, blah, blah. The people always forget. And it's usually the people, like you mentioned, that are making bad decisions that forget this. But that $200 that you earned, if you were playing, and I'm going to use this pun, if you were playing your cards correctly, you were putting that into something else that you were earning money on. And you can compound those earnings and those profits to where that $1,000 actually probably was less than what you actually wound up making. But people never look at that. They look at you know, what that card wound up going for the the futures of it of what it wound up being and then the same goes you know i've sold a card for 3250 3250 dollars straight out of the pack within three hours of pulling it of a guy most people wouldn't even know the name of who the player is anymore that's the other gamble you take i could have sat on that card and said, oh, this could be $10,000. But that that lottery ticket would have been a bust because the guy wound up becoming a nobody. The player I'm talking about is Kevin Mitan. Carlos follows baseball. He may remember him from the 2017 Bowman. Okay. I pulled the, the Mega Box 101 Black Mojo autograph. I listed it on eBay for $10,000 or best offer. Within it was less than three hours. I don't remember how long it took, but I had an offer of three thousand two hundred fifty dollars, and you best believe I hit accept. Sure. So, you know that that's the flip side of that coin. Um, everybody wants to think they got that crystal ball, but then <laughs> it can go both ways. Now, there, there's something I want to touch on because I, I think when it comes to this discussion, we all agree that a lot of it is based on perception. I use the cost basis point to be like. What you actually have into it and what you actually sold it for, I think, is the most important piece. That's the real numbers. This is what you actually have into it. That's why I gave the example of the box. In that situation, the cost basis had been dropped to zero because I had already made my money back. Anything beyond that was bonus. It was above and beyond because I wasn't paying additional amounts. I had already bought the box. I had already opened the packs. My costs had already been incurred. Now, at this point, it's whatever I get back out of it. That's what I'm actually recovering or recuperating from this. Anything above the price of the box, now we're into profit territory. Regardless of whether it's a dollar, a thousand dollars, a million dollars, that's profit territory. The the other piece that I'll bring in, and it's it's a familiar uh, statement to folks if you think on the finance side of things. What uh, Bobbles is kind of talking about there is a thing called opportunity cost, and that's a very straightforward concept, a very straightforward example. But I pulled it up here. I wanted to define it here because it really explains exactly what we're talking about. Opportunity cost represents the potential benefits that an individual investor or business misses out on when it chooses one alternative over, over another. So it's one of those things where because you went this route and it could be something as simple as buying a card and trying to hold it to squeeze every last penny out of it. We gave it we gave an example on the live stream where I said, OK, what if I told you that you buy this card for a thousand dollars, which is use that number. And in 35 years, it'll be two thousand or three thousand dollars. Well, you doubled or tripled your money, but it's 35 years. How many times could you have turned that over 
What if I told you you could get $1,500 for it right now because that's the current market rate? You made $500 right now. You could be like, oh, but you know, I'll make you know $1,000 or $2,000. And it's like, yeah, at the end of that time. But in the meantime, today interest rates are high. You could have turned, you could have just turned that money over into cash and just reap the benefits of interest. You could have gone that route, or you could have in turn bought something else that turned the fifteen hundred dollars into two thousand dollars, turned the two thousand into twenty four hundred, twenty four into three thousand, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and get well past your two or three thousand dollars, well before thirty five years from now, when with inflation it's actually worth less than thousand dollars is today. So you didn't actually win. You actually fell behind inflation in the long run by trying to play that by hold, playing this hold, just trying to squeeze a little extra out of it. When it's like uh, the concept of opportunity cost is by this choosing to hold, that's an alternative. That was one option you chose. By doing that, you missed out on all this potential gains, even if it's just interest, even if it's just you sitting on cash and turning it into interest. In the meantime, you were missing out on all those potential gains all the way down the road. And that is the opportunity. That is literally the opportunity cost. That's what that means. And you you work at a card shop, Eric, or you know, pretend to. Um, and you probably see this often. We, we, we see it on card show vlogs a lot. And I, I witness it even more. It's crazy um, how the two say like the two genres or categories tie into one another. But I see it a ton now that I'm doing the reselling stuff. It's kind of like and when you mean the opportunity costs and, and the way people perceive profits and everything else, it's crazy the amount of people, and you could put this in either category, but that would feel like spending $10 to sell for $30 and make 20 bucks is better than spending, say, $1 on four items that cost a quarter a piece that you could sell for $8 a piece. Now you're turning $1 into $32 versus $10 into $30. But they're looking at that this one item sells for $30. I don't want to sell these that are $8 a piece. And it's, you can relate that in cards too because a lot of people will they'll, they'll grind the dollar boxes and the low value cards. And those, that, those profits stack. But then you have those that want to spend the hundred to make 120, you know, it, there's very different spectrums of how people go to this, but at the end, a lot of times the low dollar actually makes more profit, but you know, it goes back to the perception. What is profit? Now I'll touch on one thing as well, because this is something bobbles and I've talked about quite a bit and Eric, you can speak to this piece as well. Uh, one important thing that we can talk about is that, so I talked about opportunity costs. Opportunity cost isn't just the dollar amount. This, then this is an important distinction to make. Uh, opportunity cost is also what else you could have done with the time. Time is also a cost. Time is also something we got to factor in. If I tell you that you can, t you know, buy this thing or work on this project and make a hundred dollars, I offer you two scenarios. You're gonna make a hundred dollars on both. On one of them, I'm asking you to work for an hour. Great, you made a hundred bucks in an hour, that's awesome. Another one, let's say I offer you $150, so I make it more. Okay, you're gonna make more, that's awesome, 50% more. But I need you to work for me 10 hours. All of a sudden it's like, wait, wait, so now I actually have to give you nine more hours of my time to make another 50 bucks. Maybe I still wanna do it, but the point is that now, I if I just take it as a raw number, well then obviously you wanna make the other 50%, the other 50 bucks, but your time has a value too. 
So talking about what Bottles is talking about, like say you buy a group lot, sometimes it's like, yeah, I'll buy this collection or I'll buy this box of things. And there's certain things I know I can sell them fairly quickly, fairly easily. Boom, do that. There's other ones that maybe will sit for a little while. Great, list it on eBay or wherever, do that. Awesome. But then there's some that it's like, yeah, this will sell eventually, but how much time is it going to take me to research it or do whatever? You find somebody who will, you know, you bought, paid a hundred bucks for this stuff. You know, some of it will sell for 60 bucks immediately. Another will sell for another 60, 70 bucks within a couple of weeks or a month or two. Great, you list it. Then you're already in the black, theoretically, but what's left over is going to take you 10 hours of research and pictures and everything. Somebody says, well, I'll just give you 20 bucks for what's left. Sold. <laughs> it's like, but you didn't max it out, but I saved time. I saved my time. Yeah, I took the 20 bucks, but I didn't have to spend 10 hours of my time to maybe make 30 or 40 bucks. Was it worth 10 hours of my time to make an extra 20 bucks? Well, that's like two bucks an hour. No, it is not it's worth the, my time to do that. The best way to describe it in, in an analogy that's used is a quick nickel or a slow dime. Yeah. And there's different ways to go about it. There's really, you know, it's all, I guess, personal preference yeah. on it. Um, and some people are successful on the way that may take longer time. They, they may be way more successful than, than the other way, but it is an interesting topic because back, back to the point of the, the profit, you know, and you mentioned 2018, mm. I laughed because we bought prism too, but we bought basketball mm -hmm. and yeah. I've told this story. We bought 14 cello boxes of prism basketball at i think there were 89 bucks a box or something it was about 1200 dollars for the 14 boxes which not bad you know today if you go back to if you go back to 2018 territory. though some of the newer folks are going to think of those numbers like guys actually the, the prism for multiple of those sports wasn't that crazy back in 2018 like if you had bought it at retail like real retail price at that time again i, I gave you canadian dollars knock off 30 percent. that's what if, if i told you you could get football prism for 200 bucks yep there's a lot of you who'd be like, yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. He's like, that, that's what it was going for. And that's yeah, after best... my dealer got it from the distributor and marked it up. Well, I bought, here's, for all of the listeners out there, if you aren't or weren't around or you're not familiar with this, I bought from Blowout. Yep. There's another key to this story. And around $1,200 for 14 cellos, or as I said, around $89 a box, you do the math, that was below MSRP. You do not find anything below MSRP at blowout anymore. Yeah. The point to this is, as you stated, you sold cards, were in the black, and now you're making profits on it, even though those boxes hit two grand or whatever the heck they, they yeah. wound up. It was the same scenario, Luca blew up. But before Luca went blow, you know, to the moon during the, the boom, he was still valuable before that. And we pulled a silver prism, we pulled a green, we pulled a red, white, and blue base card, you know, all of that. The green I got a PSA 9 on, the red, white, and blue I got a 10. And the silver, the silver I got a 9, the green I got a 9, and the red, white, and blue I got a 10. So that silver alone sold for $1,200. Now, during the boom, those boxes, probably 14 of them, I think they hit around 3,500 a box. 
It was somewhere around $50,000 in value. Now we laughed because we were like, holy crap. <laughs> we, we at one time had $50,000 of the product. And that's what you're probably, you know, hearing a lot of Eric. God, I wish I had, you know, this back. And, or I bet a lot of times, I don't know how many Jordan rookies and stuff y'all get through the shop, but I bet there's people that hear about like when the Jordan hit five, 600,000 in a PSA tennis. Oh man, I had a Jordan in the nineties and I sold it for $300, you know, all of that. You're, you're going to hear those stories. And, uh, the thing is, is nobody had a crystal ball. Nobody knew the pandemic was going to happen. Nobody knew that the prices were going to be as crazy as they were. If you, if your bank account grew, you made money. So, you know, it, you can't do nothing about the what ifs. That that's just all it is to it. Yeah, I think the the key to a lot of this discussion was that we were trying to separate out the idea of paper profits and losses. I don't care about paper profits or losses. They they're they're what they are, paper. Like until you convert, if you convert, then then they're real. Then then you've actually turned completed your transaction. Because to your point, a lot of times people look at this and and went and did the um, you know went and did the hindsight is 2020 thing and they said well if in that year it's like yeah and if and if in that year like if you go back years and years and years i, I joke about it with a lot of the with a lot of these guys it's like yeah okay i started collecting in the early 90s literally 1990 if i go back how much do you think 52 tops mantles were in 1990 way less than they are today look if, if hindsight is 2020 like let me go get some 52 mantles in like beautiful pristine condition Go hit up, you know, PSA in, in the early 90s when their grading was a little bit lighter <laughs> and, then, and then go get those things. Put it you're sitting on a, you're sitting on a fortune. Of course, well, we're all perfect. If we use hindsight, like we can nail this down to the minute. We can hit, we can hit know, everything perfect. You know, the funny thing, too, in, in, in both of you guys. I'm sure you've experienced this and, and probably have thought about it, but I don't know. You, you say you hear a lot of conversations. And this is what made you think about it, Eric. Do you ever hear people discuss the price that they paid for, say, a pack of top loaders or like uh, uh, semi-rigid card savers or hell, Carlos on the grading side? How many times do we hear people say, well, if I had just waited, I could have graded this cheaper? Because you don't really hear people talking about those losses because that was the cost at the time. Here, but there was a lot of money lost. I mean, it, over the past couple of years. Yeah, we still we still um, have discussions at the shop with with customers who talk about the shortage of plastic, um, the 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 up costs of of getting them, the lack of being able to get you know mag holders or you know get top loaders or penny sleeves, uh, and when you could get some, the prices were ridiculous. And they're they're happy that the prices are back down to normal now, and you know we have everything in stock and can get anything we want now. So it does get brought up every once in a while, but not like it was during the pandemic when people were coming in saying, "Excuse me, um, hey, you got any you know top load you know this size top loaders or this size mag holders?" And we're like, "Nope," and we have no idea when we're getting them in. We're they were on back order for two months and. You know, it, it was horrible. It was very difficult to run a business and people are coming in with, you know, all these cards now that they're digging out of the out of their garage, 
is their garage, their attics, their closets, and and you know new products that they're buying in, in wax boxes, and they have nothing to store them in. You didn't like Eric when the when the top loader thing got so uh, so tragic that they started going like off 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 brand top loaders and things randomly. My favorite was uh, one of one of my stores here. Uh, at a certain point, they ran out of top loaders, and they they had to use like those rookie top loaders and those generic ones, you know, with the little writing thing on the top. It's like yeah. that's all they had. <laughs> if you want a top loader, it's like you could just flip it on the back and just put your card at the front. That's all the only top loaders you got available. That's it. I I was uh, I bought it's it's the I'll, I'll give you the short version. Uh, surprisingly, I bought a Ken Dryden rookie in Texas during the pandemic. I had to go down there, family issues. Um, I had I had an afternoon to myself. Was the first Google. issue why are you in Texas? Please leave. Um, <laughs> I snuck. I had to sneak in through the top. They don't watch the top of Texas's border very well. <laughs> like, look, like, Eric, you, you already questioned me on the Walmart. It's like, look, I, I don't know how many acid baths it takes to get Texas off of you. Yeah, I'll, I'm still working on it. But anyway, um, went into the shop. Saw a Dryden rookie in good shape, and the, and the price was very, very fair because there's not a lot of hockey being sold uh, in San Antonio. Okay. Okay. So, and part of the negotiation, so this was at the height of the pandemic. Okay. As we know, Texas stayed open. They had different ways of doing things. I went there. Part of the negotiation for the Ken Dryden rookie card was. A mag holder for it nice. <laughs> because the, the guy only had like you know one box left in the store he was selling them for like you know eight bucks a piece or something yep. and i'm like no i'm paying x amount for this you know all-time rookie card i want to put it in a mag holder for that price well, you know, I don't have too many. And I said, that's that's great. Uh, how many people came in here today and handed you, you know, $100? You know, uh, you can give me a, a mag holder. And I was ready to say, forget it. I, you know, I. Yeah, but a great story from the, from the pandemic period. It's like, guys, this deal was squashed over the mag holder. That's yeah, it. It's... The mag holder is a, is a bridge too far, sir. You are going, you're going to give up a $100 deal. Over an eight dollar mag holder, which is really two bucks. Well, I, I was going to walk out, and he we we negotiated it for a good five minutes, and finally, just take it, just take it. I handed him the hundred dollar bill, went over, got the mag holder uh, behind the counter because he had to have him like hidden, and um, off I went. And so I before before bubbles before before you add something, I just want to quickly say something because I know because we know some folks from Texas and they're all very territorial. So before all the Texas people get mad at them, Eric's story is about San Antonio. Obviously, the rest of Texas is phenomenal and sensational, fantastic. <laughs> We're just throwing shade at San Antonio because San Antonio is shit. But the rest of the state, awesome, the awesome. best, the best. best. <laughs> Go ahead, Eric. I still have, and I still have. Them. I've limited our anger to a specific pocket models. Yeah. I've limited it to a specific one. Yeah, Good catch. He's kicking around here somewhere. There's enough territorial cool. rivalry where if we do that, then we only piss people off in San Antonio, and the rest of the state will be cool with us. Yeah, and Same. it's still in the mag. It's still in the mag holder. I, uh, I, I got off the guy. That's a that's a San Antonio mag holder right there. 
Well, the, the thing is, he would have given it to you for two bucks if you had put it right side up instead of upside down. You're asking for that, the that, special that, one. I was going to say, yeah, that, they gave you the special upside down mag holder. For, yeah. That's what the eight bucks was for. It was a bonus. Yeah. So, 100 for the card and um, eight bucks for the mag holder. And we were going to fight over $8 mag holder. Um, my, my, fight, my fight, it would have made he would have shot you. That's what that's what a fight means over there. Yeah, I was like, listen, I'll I'll go buy it on eBay. I don't care. But my question for you now, Eric, haven't you lost money? Because like you got the mag holder included in the deal at eight bucks, but you know the mag holder now today is probably only about three. So yeah, I think I you lost. already lost five dollars on the card. Yep. Yeah, I'm down five dollars. But no. Seriously, the reason why I brought that part of it up is because people always look at, and I, I talked about this during the boom, the pandemic even, people always look at that that sold number and like they get sucked in and, and like hung on that number. Look at what you spent or what you have into the card. And People have wondered why, like, I stopped grading as many cards as I was doing. Because for a while, I was sending in a ton of cards. And it dawned on me. I was spending a ton of money on grading cards. Because when it was up there at, you know, I can't remember what it was before $23 a card. But you think about that. $23 a card. Today... I'm able to offer at $14. I was wasting or losing, I'll say, $9 for every card I was sending in. So for every 100 cards, I was losing $900. Now, was I actually losing that money? Here's where it comes into play because people would say, well, that card was 1000 and now it's only 500 I lost $500. I could say... Well, I spent $23 a card today. I could have only spent $14, but did I know it was going to go down? No. Did I expect it was going to go down at some point? Who who knew when? But it's I, I knew when. I, I, I knew when. It's on record, actually. I knew exactly when. And but, yeah, but uh, in, in fairness, I, I went back and watched that episode, and I think and I think you were drunkard, and people were legitimately there's good reason not to trust you. No, I told everybody in January um, exactly when. Thank you. But it, it's, right. it's the same theory there because like you and you brought up a great example of it with the Dryden. You had supply cost or we'll use it in term to compare grading cost. You had that baked in to your Ken Dryden. So in your mind, you paid 92 for the card and got the $8 holder and you were all in at a hundred bucks. So you, you got a win because you got the Dryden at $92. Some people do that when they're buying cards that are graded because they look at, well, it would cost me $23. Well, today that card now has already lost nine bucks and going on reference of what my uh, bulk subs are with SGC. Right. And that's not like, throwing that out there that was using it as number example but Shame the cards have lost nine dollars like yep. right there let alone the softening of the market right. so the card dropped and the value of the grading dropped exactly so that's all it all plays a part there and i'll be the first on record to say it's not easy selling graded cards anymore 
I sold one today, surprisingly, a uh, Mark Grace uh, EX credentials. Um, but it, it's been difficult selling graded cards. So, well, I think yeah. it, it goes back to we won't we won't reopen this uh, you know this Pandora's box right now because it, it could be its own topic. On the on the last live stream on the Friday, I brought up the fact that. One of the factors, I think, for some folks, again, there's going to be folks that were disillusioned for the price drops and all that. There's going to be that element of it. There's going to be people who are out of work right now who shouldn't be spending money on things. That's part of it. But there's also an element of it, and, and I think it plays into the opportunity cost discussion we had a little bit earlier. Like, it actually does. You have this money, and you could buy this item, this card, this box, this whatever, but the thing is you're getting between 5 and 6% on cash right now. And let's say right now this is not it might be disposable, but at the same time, in the back of your mind, you're like, but I could be making five or 6% just literally just sitting on cash waiting to see what happens, waiting to see how things shake out over the next little bit. It, it, it's guaranteed. It's some guaranteed money coming in regardless of what else is going on because it's locked in. I don't have to worry about anything. I don't need to worry about market conditions or whatever. And it, it's about as safe as it can be at the moment. And some people have flown to safety. They're looking at that and saying like, I'd rather just hang on to the cash right now, get a little bit of interest in it locked in, and then wait for the right moment. And as a result of that, there's a little bit less liquidity. But to be clear, that doesn't mean nobody's not buying anything. That's not true because there are definitely people buying things. Um, we, we've talked about in the past, and I'll, I won't go too specific, but one of the uh, eBay dealers that I've had discussions with, Eric and other folks, uh, did a series of uh, eBay auctions. And one of the things they did, they like to brag a lot on social media. That's why I say I'm not gonna shout them out here, even being appropriate. But one of the things they do is they also like to post it show the final sale and then show how much they paid for it and the discrepancy is gigantic it's ginormous if you really look at it but some of those cards got very aggressive very strong prices why because the people that were collecting either the set or the player or that particular situation they were still collecting that set that player that situation so even in an environment where people are being a little bit pickier about where they're spending their money pickier doesn't mean nobody's buying anything pickier means they're picking and choosing when and if they decide to deploy that money and actually buy a thing, they'll pay a strong price for an item that's tougher to come by. An item they really want, they'll still spend the money. Or an item that's a really low price, reasonably priced, that's more of an impulse item, they'll still buy those. The Patrick Mahomes card I gave, it was nine bucks. So for the person who's buying it, already had the ComC credit probably, but they saw this card and they wanted it either for a set or because they like Mahomes or whatever the case may be. Or maybe it's a Taylor Swift fan who accidentally thought it was Travis Kelsey. Who knows? I was wondering if it was if the buyer's name was like Taylor or I think I think it's the Taylor Swift effect. For life or... It's a Swifty effect. I think it's a Swifty effect is what happened there, um, because you know markets are moved. Markets are moved. Uh, actually, quick quick thing since uh, we were having this discussion on Discord and I was having a good chuckle with watching the complaint about the Taylor Swift thing so much. I went and I found an article where where if I can find it, I'll cite it and I'll include it in here. But they they were saying during that tour that she's doing right now over the course of a couple of different though those stadium appearances she's doing the equivalent in the local economy of two or three super bowls worth of local spending on that it's like it's basically moving local markets in terms of the sheer amount of money that's being brought in people going to the show people buying merch people spending money at local restaurants everything so basically you know the whole thing when a super bowl goes into town people come in they buy hotels they they eat at restaurants they're doing all this all this around this event this show that they're putting on. Well, the shows that she's putting on, she's got her traveling show going from place to place to place, and she's selling out these stadiums and everything. Those people come from somewhere. 
most of them are mm-hmm. most of them are not local so a bunch of them are maybe staying at a local hotel and as a result they're eating at a restaurant and they're, so the local economy is getting this gigantic boost just by being in the presence of the taylor swift effect that's why i think it's very funny <laughs> to the annoyance of the football guys that that are present there well, i'm sorry she's moving the needle right now at least at least right now for the moment she's moving the needle what do you want there's a reason they're paying attention to her and, well, people... and i can't blame them People talk about how much like athletes make and stuff like that. And, you know, they, they, they have a cool job and they get paid well for it, but they do, you know, they put their health out there and everything. She goes on stage and sings songs and has a huge following. And uh, I'm pretty sure if I remember correctly, they said her earnings for this year will be more than the entire Chiefs roster. Oh, yeah. So to put that in perspective of what scale... The Super Bowl winning team, that roster will make less than her. <laughs> well, it's like when uh, Tom Brady and Giselle were married. Giselle was making uh, triple, quadruple more than 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 him. You know, this um, is the whole team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, it, you know, what are you gonna do? I, I don't get it. You know, and uh, you know, do you have your tickets for the show yet? No. Nah. Oh, I thought you the were problem is they fan. don't take the problem is they don't take Reggie Lemon in for trade, otherwise otherwise um, Eric would have been all over it. Uh, see, he's trying to renegotiate. He's trying to see if he can parlay his eight dollar one touch. If he can parlay <laughs> his eight dollar one touch at least towards a down payment of a Taylor Swift ticket, he's on. He might be on his way. I, I if I if someone gave me a Taylor Swift ticket, the first thing I do is sell it and get the money because I can't imagine going and sitting through that. Eric, what are you going to do with a boat? Come on. <laughs> what are you, you going to do? Like, what do you even need a boat for? Like, yeah. honestly. I mean, I, I you know, t- again, whoever you like, whatever you like, listen to the kind of music that makes you happy, but I don't get it. That's well, all. If you had, if you had gotten your Taylor Swift ticket earlier and sold it, you could have, you could have, you could have been in Australia to go watch Kiss be the pregame for the AFL Grand Final. I've seen and bought your Bobby Orr rookie. I've seen Kiss. <laughs> dozen or more times you know and how uh, many times in australia eric never once in australia zero how many times with a hundred thousand other people most of them with australian accents zero never. times eric zero, zero times. times see zero you could have listened to kiss and then you could have listened to kiss in an australian accent as the crowd was singing while along. drinking fosters my man while drinking fosters i wish i was there it's crazy and you could have went cycle crossing and gotten punched by a kangaroo Amazing. I would I would love to and again just to prove to you that I I really do like what I like uh, I would love to go to Australia and ride bikes with Rebecca McConnell the uh, national mountain bike champion of Australia I thought I you were gonna love, say with a kangaroo because then I would no, believe you <laughs> I would love to go riding uh, you know out out in the outback with uh, Rebecca McConnell and that would be a true privilege I would really enjoy that would you get her to sign a puck for you that says uh, first NBA three-pointer? I would get her to sign a puck for me, but I would not say that. It would probably... Well, you don't want to acknowledge her accomplishment? First no, NBA three-pointer is a big deal. It would be her cycling accomplishments. <laughs> but I, don't I, think I think it pales in comparison to getting the first NBA three-pointer. Bobbles, I feel like that's a pretty big accomplishment worthy of note. I feel, you know, it's just me. 
thought that I had. Yeah, fine. That is impressive, though, Eric, that you even know the international champions. So I will yeah. give you. I, will uh, give you some I think I think he has to know the that. international champions because I don't know how many domestic you got that are even acknowledged the sport. Sport. Kate Courtney, Seville, Sevilla. Kate Courtney. Are you sure you didn't use a random name generator for oh, that? No. <laughs> um, you know, there's uh, Haley Batten. These are all American cyclists. Uh, mm. for, the, for the men, you've got Christopher Blevins, who used to be a world champion. Oh, the uh, Christopher Blevins. Thank you. That's uh, Kate Courtney yeah. was 2018 world champion. Mm. Um, Blanc is, is the current United States champion. I think we need to save this for the cyclocross uh, cyclocross podcast, which should be coming on after this one, possibly on the <laughs> possibly on Bobbles. If you can get if you can get the podcast network going, Eric's ready to go for he's ready to go I for his next that. podcast. I would absolutely love that. That sounds on the like Bobbles and Bod Cards podcast network. Think about it. <laughs> this, this is gonna be the yeah. next logical step for you. And when you crack that joke from now on, I will have the the official Chris Ford rookie card, the man who was the true. Uh, first three point made the first three pointer in NBA history. Right Look, you, there, you stumbled over that because you don't even believe the lies you were telling right now. And he bought the cheap top loaders with the rookie card across the top of it. I know. It's like yeah. I bet it's a photocopy. It's not even a real card. It is. That's his rookie card. I got it just for future reference. When you make that stupid joke, I'm going to be able to pull this out and say, no, it was Chris Ford. And like everyone else, I would be like, who is that? And who? What did you do with the first NBA three pointer guy? I would like to make a request. Victor, please. if you happen to watch slash listen to the podcast, please comment below and let us know. Is that the true rookie card of the first three-pointer? We need to know. We need Chris, answers. Well, Eric has given us at least 150 different people that he claims no, are the first three-pointer. No, I feel it's a dispute. Like, Chris Ford. I feel, that, I feel that by the next podcast episode, now that he's mastered the guitar riff, Eric's next thing will be to continue his ongoing quest to find out who scored the first NBA three-pointer because it is Chris still Ford. in dispute to this Chris very day. Who Chris could Ford. it be, Bobbles? What Chris person Ford. could be responsible? For it's Chris lost Ford. to the sands of time. Chris it's Ford. absolutely crazy. It's just Chris nuts. I bet, I bet it's hidden inside of the Kiss song that they played during the AFL Grand Final. They probably tried to... Gene Simmons was probably trying to tell us. Chris Ford. And I, we don't know who it is, and we'll may, we may never know. We may Chris never Ford. know for sure. Anyway, so on that bombshell, <laughs> we're right on time. So thank you. Thank you, gentlemen, for this scintillating conversation. And Eric's scandal has continued, uh, you know, bringing confusion into this first three-pointer thing. He named at least 10 people today. I think Reggie Lemonin was one of them. I think the, nope. the Kool-Aid man. He, is, nope. He's even got the one up there for first uh, three-pointer. I think it says it. We just can't see it. It's up there in the corner of his shoulder. It's got the, the one. And I think there's an us. SP and clues are Chris all Ford. Ford. Chris Ford. Listen, I prefer Chris Chevy myself, but look, to each their own. That's fine. Uh, regardless, on that bombshell, uh, this is another episode of this. We'll be back uh, for another episode subsequently. Uh, it is available on an audio version on Spotify, you know, AI Spotify, and you can listen. And where you can also listen to, I believe, in a thing called Love by the Darkness. Just letting you all know. And podcast apps, so you can leave a comment on there. If you check it out on the YouTube one, we appreciate it if you hit the like button. If you got a comment or question, if it's a good comment or question, maybe we'll bring it up on the next episode. So that's a lot of fun. You can find Eric at Sanderson to Orr on Instagram, where you can tell him to please tell us once and for all who the first NBA three-pointer was instead of making up all these ridiculous names, these Chris lies. Chris this endless, uh, you know, this propaganda will not be accepted. I, for one, will not accept it. You shouldn't accept it either. Do not Chris tolerate Ford. this. Wait, for, ask for the truth. Ask Chris for the Ford. truth from this man. Uh, 
Bubbles and Ball Cards, you can find him on his YouTube channel of the same name. And also 540 Flips, where you can find him there as well. And are you gentlemen still going to be continuing on that podcast as well, uh, the reseller one? Yeah. Perfect. Can you give yep. us the name for it one more time? It's the Resellers Locker Room Podcast. Perfect. Thank you for that. And like I said, their information will be included in the description. And, you know, the additional thing, more videos on the channel, live streams on Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern time where we will get to the bottom of this first eBay three-pointer thing because, frankly, I'm tired of this ambiguity. I am sick of it, and I am going to do everything in my power to make sure we find out what the truth is and get to the bottom of it once and for all. I will not let Eric gaslight us into these ridiculous lies that he continues to tell. It's absurd. It's ridiculous. I may have muted him so that he can stop sharing this propaganda. I refuse to allow it. But at least we know that Eric can do a guitar riff. So his guitar riff is pretty solid. He's so, got skills. A lot of, oh, and we, we lost his connections. It's absolutely the worst. Bubbles, this is such a sad ending to what was otherwise a great episode. It was going so well right up until that point. Isn't it crazy? I hope, you, I hope you're happy with yourself, Eric. Took us to a dark, dark place. Not quite the darkness, but you took us to a dark place nonetheless. Anyway, that's it for us. Uh, we'll be back on our next episode. Like if you like the video. Subscribe to the channel. We'd appreciate that as well. And we'll catch you in the next one. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.